Good morning. Good morning, everyone. It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day that the Lord has given us, and, and we are here at the, in his house to worship him, right? And it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. He's worthy. He's worthy of our lives, and he's worthy of our praise. Not just our praise, our lives. Amen? Uh, and I'll invite you to open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Verses 3 to 14. And I'm going to pray, and then we're going we're gonna to get into it, okay? Let's pray. Oh, blessed Father, humbly we come before you, for we are feeble, we are weak, we are frail humans. I myself, Lord, it's only in your power that we could do this. As we prepare to, uh, to open up our mouths and to speak your word, we ask you to help us. We ask you to help us to speak with clarity and with wisdom. And help us to hear in that manner too, with clarity and wisdom, Lord. And we may respond in obedience to your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. The title for the, for the message this morning is Walking in Love and Walking in Light. Because we're going to see both, both themes today. Um, Ephesians 5 is our, is our text this morning. And uh, as we continue through this uh, series, one, this series and this, uh, uh, we work our way through this wonderful book of Ephesians. And it is a wonderful book. Uh, we, we've been seeing uh, amazing truths, and we're, and we're going to continue to see that, right? Um, uh, we have seen uh, that the first half, the first half of the book, the first half of the book uh, was, about, was about our calling. The second half of the book, it's about our conduct. The first half of the book is about right believing. Second half of the book is, a right, is, is about right behavior. First half of the book gives us the imperatives, I'm sorry, the indicatives. Second half of the book, it's all about imperatives. And we heard what was an imperative. Do you guys remember what was an imperative last, last week? Our, our brother Tom told us about that, what was an imperative. It was commands. It was commands. So it's all about that. This second, this second part is the practical part, as we've been seeing, right? Does anybody know? Does everyone know what an indicative is? We need to know what an indicative is. An indicative is something, uh, what something is. What something is. It indicates to something. An indicative would be, that is a chair. The imperative would be, sit on the chair. Amen? Amen? So that's what, that, that's what uh, the indicatives are. Uh, the indicatives is what God has done uh, uh, for us in Christ, uh, what, what we have in him, who we are in him. And as Paul telling, is Paul's telling us here, in terms of commands or imperatives, he's telling us, you are a new creation. You are a new creation. And since you have a new identity, a new, you are a new creation, and you have a new identity, you are to be different. And this is how you are to be different, because you are a new creation. You, are, you have a new identity. This is how you are to be distinct. This is how your life should be set apart from the rest of the world. Amen? And that's what the second half is all about. That we're different. And we need to emphasize that. That we're different. Because many times we want to be like the world. We, we want to act like the world. We want to talk like the world. We want to dress like the world. We want to imitate the, word, the world. But we're going to see today who are we supposed to imitate. Amen? So Christians are to be different. And we saw that a couple of weeks ago. Remember that? A couple of weeks ago. Not last week, but the week, the week before that. Our brother told us that we don't walk like the, we don't walk like the Gentiles do. We walk different. Our walk is different. Amen? So we saw that. And now in our passage, we're going to, we're going to uh, see something about walking in love and walking in light. 
Uh, our passage goes from uh, verses 13 to... Th- we got to read them. I haven't read them. We got to read them so you can have it in mind. I skipped that. I apologize. Let's read it so we can have them in mind. Amen? Last time I preached, I believe I forgot to pray. And this time I'm forgetting to read the word. Our passage. Not a good thing. Somebody yell up. I got let my wife know, throw, throw a shoe at me or something. <clears throat> Verses 3, three to uh, 14. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as it is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, no foolish talk, no crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there, let there be thanksgiving. For you, may, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these, these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light. In the Lord, walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things they, that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Beautiful. That's a wonderful passage. But as I was saying, we were going to begin in verses 1 and 2. We have to begin. Do you remember our brother brother Tom started there too, right? And brother Tom started there. I loved it. I loved it. Because he gave us the base, right? The base was that as children of God... We are, not, we are not to blow our tops, tops off in, in, in anger. We are not to steal, and we are not, we are not to um, just, uh, lie, right? So that was the base. That was the base, that we are children of God, and we're going to see the same thing. We're going to see the same thing uh, uh, this morning, and that's why we have to start there. We have to start in verses 1 and 2. And I'm going to give you, it's going to be four points. Two negative truths, two positive truths, and two negative truths. Two positive and two negative. The two positive, we're going to have to run right through them because it's, uh, as, as, this, is, this is the frustration of a preacher. When they give you so many verses, and there is so many truths in those verses, you're like, I, I'm studying verses one and two, I'm like, we need this. But we really need this in a very exhaustive way. And then you go into three, four, and five. We need this. <laughs> and then you go on to the, other, to the other verses, and there is so much here. So like I told you the first time, right? You got to listen fast. Amen? <laughs> listen quick. And we're going to fly right through the, uh, right through the uh, uh, um, verses one and two. The, 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 the two positive truths of this. And the first truth, we're going to see the first truth. And we could call the first truth the command, the appeal, or the call. The command, the appeal, or the call. And it's verse 1. How does it start? It's, a, it's beautiful. Therefore. Now you remember those therefores. Those therefores are... They've been saying they're very important, right? Therefore. And that therefore takes us to the antecedent verse, which is which one? Verses 32 of chapter 4, right? And that verse, verse 32 of chapter 4 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God, is, as, as God in Christ forgave you. You see? Now, because of that, that therefore is because of that reason, be imit, verse 1, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. We're going to stop right there because that's the command. Walk in love. 
Now, just to review, because we've been talking about walk, right? We've been talking about walking for a little while. And we said that the walk means daily conduct, manner of life, process of daily living, lifestyle, right? We said that, right? And And as we look at that walk concept, that is the whole thing about the second half of this book, a walk. The walk that we have is the practical section. And it starts in the first, the first thing we saw in chapter 4 in the practical section. The first thing we saw is that it's a worthy walk, right? And what does that worthy walk involve? What well, involves that we walk in humility, uh, verses 1 and 2 of chapter 4. It involves walking in unity, verses 4, four to 16. It involves, uh, it involves a, a different walk. That's what we saw a couple of weeks ago, uh, verses 17 to 32. And now in chapter 5, it's a love walk, verses 1 and 2. Verse 8, it's a light walk. Verse 15, a wisdom walk. Verse 18, a spirit walk. Chapter 6, verse 10 and on, it's a warfare walk. Do you see that? All of our Christian life, it's about how we walk, how we live, everything. And this book tells us, this book tells us that. Wonderful, right? But for this morning, we, we're going to see the, the love walk and the, uh, um, and the light walk. And that's a lot of stuff there. So see where we, see where we end, all right? But he's telling us that we should be, the Christian should be characterized by love. Characterized by love. And the pattern is God. That's the pattern, right? That's the command. That's the command. We are to, here is the command. We are to imitate God. We are to imitate God, right? And the basis for that, imitating him, is that we are his children. We are his children. Chapter 1, verse 5 tells us he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, having predestined us unto adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. And that is glorious. So then as his children... We should bear his character. As children, we should bear his likeness, right? And, and th- that, should be, that should be the most natural and normal thing, isn't it? Right? I see some of your kids, the ones that I know that, that, that are your kids. And, and I could tell you for myself, sometimes people see me walk and they tell you, man, you walk just like your father. Yeah, he's my dad. You look just like, they tell me, as you get older, you start, you're starting to look more like your father. He's my dad, right? We bear that resemblance. We bear that character, that likeness. So it should be natural for the Christian, if God is our father, that we should love like him, right? We should love like him. Now, that word uh, imitate is memetase, where, where we get the word mimic, to mimic, to mimic. And we should be imitating his love. And his love Watch this. His love is for, it's a forgiving love. It's an con- unconditional love. And, a, and it's a self-sacrificing love. You get that? And we are to love that way. We are to love that, the, the way God loves. Now the pattern is God, as we said. Uh, and here comes truth number two. Truth number two. That's the, uh, truth number two is, is the pattern, right? First one is the command, and here, here we, how we are to love, the pattern. Truth number two. And how we are to love? Well, verse two tells us, it, it explains it for us. Walk in love just as Christ loved us, and he gave himself up for us as an offering, as a sacrifice to God, as a fragrant aroma. So as we could see with what we have said, that divine love is known for its forgiveness. Divine love is known for, his, for, for, for its for, forgiveness. And that is the simplest definition that we could uh, give for divine love. That is forgiving. The greatest evidence of love is a forgiving, uh, 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 giving, undeserving, forgiving. Undeserving, forgiving. John 3.16 tells us that, right? For God so loved the world... For God so loved the world, God loved the world with, with, with such greatness, such great love, that he offered forgiveness. To whom? People who deserved it? Absolutely not. To sinful, rebellious, wretched, vile people. 
and he did it by sending his son to die on the cross, to give his life on the cross, that we may not suffer that death. And he, not only that, but he offers, he offers us free, free eternal life. And that is wonderful. And so the pattern is to be our Lord, how we should love. The pattern is our Lord Jesus Christ. We are to walk in love, and the model is him, Christ. We follow, we follow his model, right? In chapter, uh, again, uh, chapter 4, verse 32, it says, he has forgiven us. You see that? So we follow that pattern of forgiveness. We follow that pattern of forgiveness. And forgiveness is the greatest evidence of God's love. And it should be the proof, the proof for us, right, uh, of our love too. The, the most convincing proof I, I wrote here of our love is that we are forgiven, that we are forgiven people. We're followers of Christ. Now listen, love will always lead, lead us to forgive others. Just as God, love led God to forgive you and forgive us. And lack of forgiveness, it clearly re reveals a loveless, a loveless and, and, and hard heart. So we are to forgive just as God and Christ forgave us. Now, is that easy? Is that easy? It's not an easy thing. But we are, but we are called to imitate him. We are, called, we are called to imitate our father. See? And, and, and we are most like God. We are most like Christ when we are forgiving and when we love like he loves. Amen? So, so th this, is, this is important because this is something that we all, we all deal with. There's always someone that has hurt us. There's always someone that has criticized us. There's always someone who has offended us. All of us. But we are to be forgiven. We are to be forgiving. Right? <clears throat> now watch this. This is a, a, a very interesting as I thought about this. It's a very inter interesting thing. Um, this thing of, of forgiveness. Because nobody, no matter what anybody does to us, no matter what anybody does to us, and we're talking about the, the family of faith, we're talking about here, we're talking about the church, right? We're talking about the believers within us. No matter how they hurt us, no matter how they talk about us, how they offend us, no matter how terrible or destructive or unjustified the offense is, what anybody does to us, Christ has paid the penalty for that sin already. Did you get that? Christ has paid this, the penalty for that sin. Christ already suffered for what they said and done to you. So it's already settled. And when a Christian expresses or harbors uh, vengeance or whatever towards another brother, he's just not only sinning by, uh, by, by allowing selfish hatred to control him, but also he's profaning the, the sacrifice of Christ. He's profaning the sacrifice of Christ by seeking to dispense punishment for that sin that the Lord already has, been, has already paid for. Do you understand that? So whenever our flesh wants to come out, and it always does, right? Or is it just me? I hope it's just not me. What I know is you too. When our flesh wants to come out and respond in a malicious way, we should just stop for a little bit and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't want anything out of them. I don't want anything out of them. Christ already bore the sin in his own body. Christ's blood was already spilled for that sin, for that offense. What else can I ask for? What else can I ask for? What is there else to do? There's nothing else to do. Amen. So because of Christ has paid the penalty for that sin, we have no right, we have no right to hold any sin against any person. Especially amongst our brothers and sisters. But even unbelievers. We have no right to do that. Because it's already been dealt with. Right? It's already been dealt with. And listen. The offense is much more to Christ and to God than to us. Sometimes we take it way like, you know, oh, he offended me and that is the worst thing. And, you know, no. <laughs> You're secondary. 
the offense were, was more towards God than towards us. And he already dealt with that. So we have no right. Amen? Now the second question is, how, how, much, how much should we forgive? How much should we forgive? Uh, and I hear this from, from uh, uh, this is more within, within couples, more than, you know, husband and wife. Sometimes the wife complains, oh, he, he, he does it all the time. I forgave him once, twice, three, four times. How many times do I have to forgive? How many times do we have to forgive? Well, you know, uh, uh, Peter, Peter thought he was a, a very generous when he, when he said that we should forgive up to seven times. Seven times, right? And he thought he was, uh, he thought he was generous. But this is what Christ said. Matthew 18, 22. I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. How much is that? That's a lot of forgiving. That is a lot of forgiving, right? Not only that, but you know that we, we, we offend God, right? Again, I hope you don't leave me hanging here by myself. Because I offend God a lot. And I know you do too. We offend God a lot. And this is, this, this is the truth. But you know the beautiful thing about this? That God doesn't look at me and say, Moses, this is the a thousand time that you've done this already. This is, this, I've forgiven you so many times, I had it with you. Our God doesn't say that. Our God doesn't say that. You know what God says, Moses, what can I do? What can I do to you? My son has already taken all the blows. There is nothing else to do. Nothing else to do. <clears throat> so God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us. When we say for Christ's sake, it's for what he has done. So God, for Christ's sake, he forgives us. So we, for Christ's sake, we should forgive one another. Regardless of the offense. Regardless of the offense. And we may say, we, 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 you, you can't forgive forever. Yes, you can. <laughs> yes, you can, because he forgives us all the time, right? Yes, you can. First Peter 4, 8 tells us. <clears throat> First Peter 4, 8. I may have to look for here. There we go. Above all, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. That word, earnestly, is ectes, which means it, 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 tells, it gives you the idea of a, mus of a muscle stretching to its limits. Stretching to its limits, right? So there's a lot of forgiveness there. So the depth of, the depth of your love is indicated by how much you forgive. How much you forgive. And we call to forgive all the time. And that's the way, that, that's the, way the walk, the, walk uh, the love walk should be. Constantly forgiven. But it's also not only uh, for, uh, uh, constantly forgiven, but it's also loving unconditionally. Loving unconditionally and self-sacrificing. Giving of ourselves too. Again, we have to mention John 3.16 because that's the key. God so loved the world that he gave. That he gave. It's self-sacrificing. Self-sacrificing is an, it's an uh, um, unselfish thing. Now, we are to love like God, right? And we are. And we are to, to, to imitate him, to mimic God. Then we must love people with, with that kind of forgiveness, without limits, without limits, with, with unconditionally too, no matter what the response is, Right? No matter what the response, and, and, and we must love sacrificially. Again, that's the giving, giving of ourselves too. Not just seeking uh, something from them. Not seeking something from them, right? Seeking only to give and not to gain. Not to gain anything. <clears throat> and again, we could talk about this for a good hour and more. But we have no time. So we have to go through this quick. <clears throat> but that is the love walk. And the command is... The plea uh, is, is verse 1, and verse 2 is the pattern. We are, we, we are to model our, our, our Lord Christ. And that is, that is wonderful, that is magnificent, that is uh, uh, precious. But we got to get to verse 3, right? 
We got to get to verse 3. And here we take a turn, we take a sharp turn to Albuquerque. (laughs) And it gets very dark and it gets very ugly. You hear that? It gets very dark and very ugly. This is what verse 3 says. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetous must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. And this is the first negative. This is the first negative, the perversion of love. And you see Paul, without hesitation and quick and fast, he goes right from the perfection of love to the perversion of love. You see that? From the perfection of love to the perversion of love. When God establishes something, Satan will always come, will come to counterfeit that. Where God establishes true love, the world comes and establishes the phony, the false, the counterfeit. And it's satanic. Satanic. Now the world claims, listen, the world claims to want love, right? They want, they, they want love. They want to live in love. They want to love. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, a, it's advocated in every corner of the world. They want love. They want love. Uh, they claim to want love. Uh, they want to live in love. They want to live in love. They want the, the, the lovemaking. <laughs> lovemaking is the, the ultimate high for the, for, for the world. The ultimate high. They make songs about it, right? You hear most of all the songs, they're, they're songs, love songs. They write novels. They make movies. They make series. They, they exploit that emotional, lustful desire, as it were, the, the genuine love. And that is Hollywood. That's just Hollywood. That's Hollywood, and that's uh, uh, Disney, too, that kind of love. That kind of love. And it's a quest for the per- 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 perfect love, right? They fantasize about it. They fantasize about it. They portray it as the ultimate human experience, as the ultimate human experience. But what the world offers is elusive. It's not there. It's elusive. It's false. It's not the perfect love because that's elusive. they're, They're seeking for a love that's everything they could imagine love to be. But they'll never find it. They never find it. You know why they never find it? Because the only ones that love, the only ones that love, that could love that perfect love, is the ones who know God and who God dwells in them. And as Christians, we are the only ones that could know that true love. Amen? But listen, listen. As that misguided quest for that kind of love, as they misguide themselves and they look for that, inevitably, inevitably, they end up in the ugly and dark. What is the ugly and dark? <clears throat> that's, where it, that's where it takes him, to immorality and impurity. And that's the, kind of love, that's the kind of love that is selfish, destructive, deceptive. It's the counterfeit love. It's self-centered. It only, it, it only wants to take. It doesn't give. That is the selfish love. It only wants satisfaction. And it's only about what they could get and know what, that, what they could give. It's not about giving. <clears throat> and it has no, it has no basis for, for permanence. It has no basis for stability. None of that. Because, it, because its purpose is only to use it, to use it, right? Exploit it rather than to serve and to help. It's use, abuse, and let go. And it's only till that loved one Till that loved one has no longer, it doesn't longer satisfies you, it doesn't longer gives you that thing, and until that, he or she disappears and it's a done thing, and it's a done thing. But that's the satanic option. That's the satanic option. But Paul is saying here, that's not the kind of love I'm talking about. That's not the kind of love I'm talking about. Verse 3 again, but immorality. Or any impurity, impurity or greed must not be even made am- named among you as, as proper among saints, as is proper among saints. Now, the word immorality is porneia. Sounds familiar? Porneia? I'm sure it does. Sounds familiar. That's what we get for por- pornography. 
pornography. And, 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 and pornea refers to all sexual sin. And all sexual sin, it's against God. It's against God and against godly love. All of it. And I'm going to give you another word. I'm going to, it's not in there, but I'm going, I'm going to give you another word but that is a contrast to that. I have to give it to you because it's a beautiful word when I read it. It's ekatreia, which means self-control. Ekatreia, self-control. And especially in the area of sex. Self-control in the area of sex. And Paul, Paul used this word when he talked to, uh, in Acts Chapter 24 and 25, chapter 24, verses 25, 24 to 25. When he's talking to Felix, you remember, you remember that, right? It says that Paul was discussing righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. And it says that Felix became frightened and said, go away for the present, and I will find time, and I will summon you, I will call you when I, when I need you. Now, you know what was happening there, right? You know why Paul approaches it th that way. Felix had stolen uh, Drusilla from her husband, and he was living with her. And here, come, here comes Paul, and he tells him, Felix, you are violating God's righteousness by not, by not having sexual self-control, and it will lead into judgment. And that's why he got scared. That's why he got scared. And Felix got terrified. He got terrified, and... and, and and he said, go away, I'll, I'll call you, you know, because he, he, was, he was terrified. And so what we're saying here is that loss of sexual, se sexual self-control will always lead to the opposite, which is immorality and impurity. Always. <clears throat> that pornea. And again, pornea is all kinds of sexual sin. Uh, and we, we could say it, all of this includes there premarital sex. That's fornication. And, and we've heard the words, these words throughout our Christian life. Fornication, adultery, we all know what is adultery. Homosexuality, pedophilia, prostitution, transgender, transgenderism, uh, bestiality. You name it and it all falls in that, in, in that word right there, pornea. All of it, right? And it's all about this perverted sex, the perversion of love. Now, we all could see this, and we could, we could all see this in our society, right? We could all see this, see this in, 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 in our culture. Our culture has taken a dive into the, the immorality, to the immoral, bad, and it's spiraling down fast, spiraling down fast. Uh, we have what they call, we have what they call the hookup culture. You ever heard of the hookup culture? Where they view sex just like a like, they view sex just like a handshake. They have no they have no sanctity. They, there, there's no sanctity for sex. There is no sanctity for marriage anymore, and it's just like a handshake. It really doesn't matter. <clears throat> and just to give you a picture of the perversity that we're living in and, and where our culture is going, uh, let me give you some stats. There are 4 million pornographic websites of pornography. And they say they are visited on a daily basis by 80 million people. Every day, 80 million people. And it's a $140 billion industry. 35 billion of that is only for child pornography. That is perverse. That is perverse, right? They say that those sites are viewed more, they're viewed more than Netflix and Primetime and, and Hulu, I believe. All together, all together, they, they're viewed more than that. And they make more money than ABC, CBS, NBC, and some other, and some other stations. They make more money than them. Perversion. We see, well, I think it was just a little while ago, it was Pride Month, right? Pride Month. Everybody gets one day. Our Lord gets one day, right? Easter, one day. Our flag, one day. Gays, one month. Pride Month, right? Pride Month. 
we see the gay parade. I don't know if you guys ever seen a gay parade. I did. I've seen gay parades and there's, there's all kinds of perversions that come out of there. They got the slut walk. They have the slut walk. I was, I was, I was viewing it, I was viewing in, in, in one of these, these parades. Uh, I was viewing one in, in, in my phone and, and, and they were chanting this. And we gotta talk about this. They were chanting this. We're coming after your kids. We're coming after your kids. And that is the truth. They're coming after our kids. Yes, they are. Pornographers are coming after our kids. Homosexuals are coming after our kids. Transgender uh, people are coming after our kids. And they're, they're aided and vetted by school teachers, by the, by the school system, uh, school board, boards. And it goes right up the chain to ac academia. It goes right up. And that's the perversion we're living in. That is the deceptiveness of this thing. It's a cesspool of perversion of people trying to corrupt our next generation. And they're doing it. They're doing it. And that's why we are we call to denounce this. And we tell parents, talk to your kids. Instruct your kids in the word of God. So important. 14,000 hours our kids would go to school. 14,000 hours, school hours, instructive hours. Do you think you spend $14,000 from kindergarten all the way to, to high school? Do we spend that much time with our kids? Work and other things take us. But that should be our priority. That should be our priority because they're coming to get them. They're coming to get them. Amen? And that's what we have in our society today. And it's a sad. It's sad. But you know what's even more sad? You know what's even more sad? When this thing, this, this, uh, it, it seeps into the church. When the church gets influenced by this contempt, contemporary sex, sex madness. And the church begins to accept, and they do. It begins to accept, uh, to be convinced that all of these sorts of sexual excesses and impurities, they are covered by grace. And it's okay. It is okay. You know why they say? Because God is love. How can it be wrong? God is love. And they love each other. When we call homosexuality a sin, they say it can't be a sin. They love each other. They, it's, it's all about the love. And God is love. But in the words of that famous female theologian, what sex have to, what love's got to do with it? Tina Turner. What's love got to do with it, right? Because it's a perversion. It's wickedness. It's a sin. And the church of Christ is, as the church of Christ is inconsistent with who we are. It's inconsistent with who we are. We're not darkness anymore. We're light, as we're going to see in a little bit. Inconsistent with who we are. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Yes? Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. There you go. Neither the, the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality. No thieves, nor, nor, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. As such were some of you, but we were washed. We were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. You see that? We're different. We've been washed. We've been sanctified. We're different. We are different. We've been transformed. Then Paul adds another word here, impurity. And that's, that's akathisa. Akatharsia with an R after the A. And, and it's a more of a general term than, than pornea. And that refers to anything that is unclean, uh, that is unclean, uh, filthy, and, and it refers to immoral thoughts, the passions, the ideas, the, the fantasies, and every other form of sexual corruption that goes on in, in the mind. 
And you look at the next word, greed. Now we may say, and the question comes here, greed or covetousness, which is the same thing. <clears throat> and we ask, what does greed have to do with all of this, right? Because we, normally what we associate greed is with what? Uh, greed, greed for money, greed for possessions, or we associate that with, with, that, uh, with, with money or that, that greed, right? Uh, it could, and it could definitely be there for that. It could be expressed towards money or towards possessions, right? Uh, something material. But what Paul is talking about here is about that, hear this, that kind of greed of wanting something sexually that you have no right to. You get that? <clears throat> of wanting something sexually that you have no right to. That's also idolatry. That's what verse 5 tells us. <clears throat> because you have, you have substituted sexual fulfillment for the Lord, and that is the key. And that's covetousness, and that's greediness, and it's idolatry. And greed by nature, greed by nature, brothers and sisters, is contrary to love, right? Because it's selfish. It's what I want. It's for me. And so immorality, impurity are manifestations of sexual covetousness, greed, greediness, and they express the counterfeit love. It's the counterfeit love. It's not the real one. It's not the perfect love. So Paul tells us all of those things, Paul tells us this, must not even be named among you as it is proper among saints. We are saints. I know you don't feel like a saint, but we're saints. Remember the song? What did the song say? I am? Sing it, Sister Nina. I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. Amen. You see that? Exactly. We are saints. He tells us what we are. In other words, how could holy ones be characterized by unholy love, unholy lust, selfish lust? Because we're set apart. That's what the word holy means too, to be set apart. Right? Holy ones. And those who are holy have nothing to do with that which is unholy. Amen? Now Paul is going, and this is quick, because we could talk more about this, but Paul is going to go further in, in verse 4, and he's going to cover, he's going to give us a, 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 a list of, of, um, <clears throat> of related sins, if you will, and, and those sins cover, all those sins cover um, every believer at one time or another. Verse 4, what does it say? Verse 4, <clears throat> let there be no filthiness, no foolish talk, no, no crude joking, uh, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thank, thanks, thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. <clears throat> no filthiness. That's the word. That word means general obscenity. Uh, that, that the literal root of this word is something disgraceful. Something that is disgraceful. When you, when, and it has to do with our words. See? And, and this basically has to do with, with words. Words. If you look at uh, 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 verse 12, it, it says that uh, it is a shame to even speak about the, the things that they do in secret because it's about uh, talking these things. Don't even talk about it. Don't even talk about that stuff. Uh, and and this, is, this is filthy conversation. This is filthy conversation. And we all know about that, right? We all, we all have heard filthy conversation. And, and if you haven't, it, you've noticed that the TV has changed? TV has changed. We see it all the time on TV. We see it on movies. We see it on movies. We see it on series. There's just everything that comes out. It's filthy, filthy words. And sometimes we could hardly talk to somebody, right? We could hardly talk to somebody. I remember one time my neighbor stopped me, and every word, every other word that was coming out of his mouth, it was, it was foul language. And I looked at my wife, and it was uncomfortable because we didn't even know him. But it was just nothing but filth coming, coming out of his mouth. And that's what he's talking about. And we are called to holy conversation. We are called to holy conversation. When we open our mouths, there ought to be words that edify. We saw that last week. Words that edify. Words that come from the, the mind of God. Amen. Not that stuff that the world talks about. That is disgraceful. That is, is disgraceful. And he goes on further. No foolish talk. In some uh, version it says silly talk or court jesting. Right? Uh, and that word is morologia. Does it sound? Morologia? 
Moros is from moron. Moros is from moron, lohia, from word. Moronic words. Moronic words. Amen? <clears throat> and that's called low obscenity. Low. And what we're talking about is not just, uh, the, the, you know, it, it's talk about filthiness. Low. The, the low. <laughs> uh, uh, is the obscenity of a drunkard. Is the obscenity of a drunkard. Uh, of, uh, of the sailor talk. Anybody knows about sailor talk? Yeah, nothing but filthy talk that comes out of their mouth. <clears throat> it's gutter talk from the lips of a fool. Gutter talk from the lips of a fool. It's talk, it's talk coming from someone who has an intellectual deficiency. Do you get that? As I was reading that, I, 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 I remember of a, I, being, I, I remember being um, my first deployment, uh, my, my staff sergeant, my, my platoon sergeant, when, when I was in the Marines, uh, my, my, my platoon sergeant, foul language. For everything, it was just foul language. But there was this Jewish kid, Jewish kid, very super smart kid. I don't know what he was doing there. <laughs> but he was super smart. And he asked the question, to the, to, the, to the sergeant, he asked the question, why there's so much foul language comes out? And the platoon sergeant said, does it bother you? Does it bother you? But he didn't just say, does it bother you? It, it, it was more foul language coming out of there. And the kid responded, no. He says, no. Is that you sound just, you sound like an ignorant person trying to express himself. Intellectual deficiency. As I read that, I said, yes, that's exactly, you know, and it reminded me, it reminded me of that. An ignorant person trying to express himself. Sergeant didn't say anymore. He kept on, he kept on with his filthy mouth, but he told them. And the word, next word is interesting. Uh, court jesting, crude joking. And it's the word uh, eutropelia, uh, uh, and, and that's high obscenity. That's what it means. It's high obscenity. And, and that refers to talk that's more pointed and determined, right? And it gives the idea of quickly turning something innocent into something dirty or sexual. See? And you know people like that too, right? We know people like that, right? People that, that, that in a flash, you're talking to them about something, and boom, right away they turn it into something perverted or sexual. And Paul is telling us that should never be main, named among you. There is no place for low or high obscenity. No foolish talk, no, no crude joking. Why? Why should we not talk like that? Because it's not fitting. It's out of, the, it's out of place because we are the holy ones. We are the holy ones. We, we have been transformed. We are different. And then it tells us instead, what should, what should we be doing? Giving thanks. Now, do, do you, I, I was reading the passage, and does it, like, what does giving thanks have to do with, with all of this foul mouth? <clears throat> well, being thankful has to do with, uh, 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 that was my question. What does thankful have to do with the immorality and, 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 and filthy speaking? Well, thanksgiving is the expression of unselfishness, Right? And the selfish and unloving person does not give thanks because everything that he receives, he thinks he deserves. And whatever, whatever good he receives, he thinks he, he deserves it, right? And the unselfish and loving person focuses his life on uh, and his concern on, on the needs of others. Whatever God or anybody gives him, it's undeserved. It's undeserved. It just counts, he counts it as a, undeserving and gracious. He's always thankful because his attitude is one of loving and giving instead of using others for sexual fulfillment. Amen? Then instead of trying to turn the innocent into immoral, he seeks to change the immoral into the, into the uh, righteous and holy, if you will. Uh, and he's thankful that his holy life, it, it, it satisfies him. It satisfies. It's a satisfying life. And people, when people are like that, other people see God in that person. Amen? 
And hear this. Nothing we do in this life will teach us, nothing we do in this life will teach us uh, unselfishness, like giving thanks. Have you ever tried that? There's times that we wake up in the morning and we're just like in a bad mood. We woke up in the wrong side of the bed and when somebody tells us something, don't even, don't even look at me, right? And either they're, they're, uh, something is bothering them, whatever it is, is what, whatever they don't have, whatever, whatever it may be. And I always say, when we feel like that, start giving thanks for everything that you have. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for my kids. Thank you for my husband. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for what I have. For I have more than what I deserve. And once your mind starts going in that thankfulness, you start forgetting about all the other stuff that bothers you that you don't have. But it's that thankful heart that we need. Never should no one hear from the lips of a child of God, one who is imitating God, one who loves the way God loves, anything that shows any interest in the deceptive kind of love, the, the counterfeit love, illicit sexual impulses, and that thing of gutter mouth should never come out of that, out of our lips. Next point. And the next, the next command is the plea. The plea. Imitating God, we saw, is the plea. I'm sorry. Uh, the, that's the command, the plea, imitating God. We saw the, we saw the pattern, the model is, is Christ, uh, the, way we, the way we should love. Uh, and and it, that kind of love is unconditional, sacrificial, and, 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 and forgiving, right? That's the kind of love we, we, need, to, we need to work on. Then we saw the, the perversion of sin, of, of love, verses 3 to 4. Then in verse 5, goes right into the, in, into the punishment. Verse 5, he reads this way. <clears throat> For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, who is covetous, that is a, 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 an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. You see that? <clears throat> in other words, uh, if that defines you, if, if gutter talk and all of that filthy mouth and that impurity and immorality, that uh, uh, um, defines you, if that defines you, you, you do not belong in the kingdom of God. You do not belong in the kingdom of God. Now listen, and, and, as, and that's why I, I wish we could go on more into, in, into, more, more into detail because sometimes the, questions, the question comes, right? Yeah, uh, I, I believe we all have dealt with this, right? Where, where sometimes we get angry and an unfilthy thing comes out. Uh, my, my dad was a pastor. And when I joined the Marine Corps, I picked up the habits of the Marines. Foul mouth. And I called my dad one time, and the first thing that, that he was asking me a question, and the first thing that came out, it was like a, a, an ugly bad word. And there was silence on the phone. And my dad said, what's going on? What's going on with you? And that's because I never heard it in my house. I never heard my father speak a, a, a bad word. I never, my, never, never heard it, my dad foul language. But I picked it up later on. I picked it up later on, right? So those things come out. And as Christians, sometimes those things come out. But as we're going to see, as we're going to see the walk in the light, and I got to go through it quick. I'm just going to give you a, 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 a quick um, version of the sermon, right? The, the verse there, it tells you that we work darkness at one time. We were darkness, not that we used to be in the dark. We were darkness, but now we are light. We are different now, but still there's times that we do things or deeds of the darkness. And that's why Paul, this whole second half of this letter is telling us, is letting us know, hey, sometimes you may slip up, sometimes you may do this, but no, that's not who you are. Get it together. 
That's not your identity. You are no longer in the darkness. You are no longer the darkness. You are light. Walk like you're in the light. You are holy. Walk like you're holy. Walk like who you are. Let your, let your identity match your, let your living, let your living match your identity. Amen? Yeah. <clears throat> and I'm going to skip some things here so we could move on. <clears throat> uh, verse 6, we go on to verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Hear that? Let no one deceive you with empty words. Verse 6 of chapter 5. That's what it says. In other words, don't let anyone tell you. Don't let anyone tell you. And we got to go back to what he said before because that's what he's talking about. That's the context. Don't let anyone tell you that sexual relations, uh, you could have sexual relations just with anybody because you're in love. Don't let anyone tell you that. Don't let anyone tell you that homosexual, that you could live uh, uh, that kind of lifestyle, a homosexual uh, lifestyle, and still, and still be a Christian, and still claim to be a Christian. <clears throat> That's another God, and it's the God of our sexual desire. And that kind of living, that kind of lifestyle, and that kind of uh, uh, stuff, that brings the wrath of God. That's what he's saying, right? That's the, that's the punishment. Brings the wrath of God. And it comes to the sons of disobedience, it tells us. Tells us uh, the sons of disobedience. And, and that's what we used to be. We used to be children of wrath. Chapter, chapter 2, verse 3 tells us that. <clears throat> and verse 7 says, we got to move. Verse 7 says, Therefore, do not become par partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, and now you are light. There we go. In the Lord, walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Amen. We, we're, we're, we're not anymore. We're not in the darkness anymore. Uh, <clears throat> we don't do what the uh, Gentiles, what the unconverted people do. We don't live like that anymore. We're part of that, uh, of that kingdom of God, not of the darkness. Amen? <clears throat> now, verse 8 introduces us into another, that other kind of walk that I'm telling you. That other kind of walk. Uh, and it says that, that, that we started with the worthy walk and now with the love walk. And now we're going into the light walk. Walking in light. Walking in light. And really, again, like I this is another sermon. A completely other sermon. But I'm just going to do a summary of the sermon and so we could go. You still with me? Amen. Verse 8. <clears throat> I just read it to you, right? Yes. We were t one time, we're, we're, we should be walking in light. And he's just telling us that who we are. Well, you, you have a new identity. Live like your identity, right? And it, and it, it, and it gives us a contrast of, of the darkness and, and the deeds of darkness. And the, we, We've seen the deeds of darkness, and he's given us the, the, what should be walking in light, right? Uh, and, and it's a contrast. But here's, he, gives you, uh, um, he gives you three, uh, three characteristics of walking in the light. And that's verses uh, 9, to, 9 to 14, and i got to read them quick so we could see them. For the fruit of the light is found in all, the, all that is good. That's one of the correct characteristics. All that is good, second, uh, and right, and true. Th those are the three characteristics we, we're, we're going to see. And try to discern what is the pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of these things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light, before it says... Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Beautiful. Those are the marks, right? We're talking about all goodness, all righteousness, and truth. The three characteristics. Uh, and, and we could say about this that we know there's a lot of, we have a lot of people here. And in those mega churches, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, people there, right? And, 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 and they could say that all of them are born again. 
right? They all could say that, that they've been born again. They're in church. They may be in church for, for many years, very religious, right? They speak the language. They raise their hands. They've been in church for a long time, right? <clears throat> but do you know what the real test of that is? What is the real test? Those who walk in the light, they manif- they're manifested by the fruit of the light. By the fruit of the light. They, knew they need some fruit. They need to bear some fruit so, so they could themselves prove <clears throat> what they are. He says the fruit is goodness, and that word is beautiful, agathos, from where do we get the, 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 the name? Agatha. Agatha. And the, uh, Agatha, from uh, the word Agatha, Agathos means moral excellence, especially, especially active on behalf of others. That's what the dictionary says. And it touches others with a, with a positive moral excellence or effort, excellent effort. <clears throat> and that's what Paul is saying here. In Thessalonians 5.15, what does it tell us? Thessalonians 1.15. It just says to do good. Do good to everybody. That's what it says. And this is the first characteristics. If we are going to walk as children of light, then the first thing we should be bearing that that fruit of goodness in terms for the others. Second, righteousness. And righteousness has to do with how we live, uh, 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 how we live, uh, and that we are commanded to to, to have righteousness. Romans 6.13 tells us that, right? That, that we are to present our members as uh, instruments of righteousness to God. 1 John 2.29 tells us, we know that every, everyone uh, also who practices righteousness is born of him. That's the third. That's, that we should be bearing that fruit of righteousness. The third fruit is truth. And truth has to do with, uh, with honesty, integrity, uh, uh, trustworthiness, uh, integrity. And I couldn't pronounce reliability. It just, just my tongue gets twisted in there. All of that is to be, all of that is to be manifest in us. <clears throat> And all of that is a contrast to the hypocritical, uh, deceptive, and false ways of the life of darkness, right? <clears throat> like what we just saw, what we just saw in verses 3 to 14. Now, all of these elements, brothers and sisters, are the, are the fruit of the light, right? The fruit of the light. And if we are walking of children, uh, children of light, that we should be bearing those, those three elements, those, those three uh, fruits and that that will that fruit will verify who you are will verify who you are uh, verse 10 try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord the only way you're going to be able to discern that is that that fruit is given uh, uh, <clears throat> in you this, that's the testing it's a matter of fact try to discerning has to do with proving or testing proving or testing what does that mean well all Christians learn and grow in goodness, in righteousness, in truth. They will give, when they grow in that, they will give evidence of who they are and what they claim. If you're a Christian, that's the fruit that you will give, right? Amen. And verse 11. Verse 11 says, uh, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Mm. And that is a very interesting thing right there. Because the word uh, participate or, or, or partners means intimate fellowship. And what he's saying is don't get involved. That's what he keeps telling us, right? Don't be a part of that. Don't get, him, don't be, don't get involved with that. <clears throat> That's not who we are. That's not who we are. We don't, we don't do those things. Of the, actually, you know what? And then it tells us to expose them. To expose them. And, and, and we could call that the commission. We are called to expose all of that. And I wrote here, we are the, CIA, the spiritual CIA. We are. Everyone, every one of us is called to expose that. See? And the agent of how we could do that is the Bible, is the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us that. The Word of God is profitable for what? For doctrine, for correction, for reproof. And we need to reprove. And I'm just saying this going back to what we said earlier, Right? Because many, many people do not reprove. We don't call sin for what it is. 
There's pastors, don't, they, they, don't, they don't even talk about sin anymore. They don't talk about sin anymore. And it tells us that we need to expose that. We need to expose that. We need to expose those things that are shameful. <clears throat> Amen. Verse 13, it gives us that, that, that commission. And then at the end, and this is the beauty. This is the beauty. Uh, verse 14. For anything that comes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine in you. Now, you know what's that, right? That is Isaiah 61. And it's giving you a picture of the coming, coming Messiah. Uh, my, uh, Messiah, and then it's the same text in, in here in our, our passage, but it's that fulfillment of, of what Isaiah was saying. And by the way, I found that this was a hymn. This was a hymn of the early church. They used to sing that part of, part of the hymn that they used to the, the, the sing in the early church. Uh, and, it's a, it, it, and it's a picture of the gospel, right? And it's a picture of the gospel. And it's an invitation, actually. It's an invitation. And it's telling, here, it's telling us here about the darkness, about the deeds of darkness. We are not. But it's telling, just in case there's someone who's still the darkness. Someone out there. And he gives the invitation. And then the sinner is described first. The sinner uh, as one who sleeps, right? Who is more than sleeping. He's dead. And then the call is offered. Awake and rise. And then the Savior is presented. Christ shall give you light. So you see, it shows the dilemma of the people of the world. They're sinful. And it gives that invitation. The sinner. And it shows, it gives the invitation to the sinner. And it shows who the Savior is, right? And that is the gospel. That is the gospel. Uh, so we give the gospel for those who are walking in darkness and who's walking in immorality and impurity. Because that is the only hope they have. The gospel is the only hope for humanity. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Lord. So much to be said. So much that you want to tell us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you because it, it, it speaks to us. It speaks to us. Help us to live in light of that, of who we are, Lord. Of who we are. We are your church. We are your people. We are the holy ones. Because you say we are. Help us to live that way. And whatever is going on in our lives, Lord, that we may be doing deeds of darkness, that we may be doing the deeds of, the, uh, of, of, of darkness, help us. Help us to come into the light. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for your patience.